0: Thank you so much to our sponsors, Yellow Racket Records, a place for music lovers to discover, hear, and buy new and pre-loved records. Great staff, great coffee, comfy chairs. YellowRacketCHA.com and RC2 Realty Solutions Real Estate Investments. Robin Ring's got a brand new thing. Call 531-1722. Only in Jeff Styles, America. Hey, folks, welcome back once again to the podcast known as Storyville. We call it Storyville because, well, essentially I tell stories. I, being Jeff Styles, own Jeff Styles, spelled with a Y, thank you very much. And you find each and every Storyville and the hour long music podcast we do called Rockiology at FredPodcast.com. Fred is in the name, F R E D Podcast.com. All of our previous podcasts are archived there well over a year's worth and we appreciate you tuning in on that platform, whatever platform you're listening at on Makes No Difference to us, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, whatever. We're just glad to have you. Now, it struck me this week, two things happened. One, um, my youngest daughter, who I realized after I started thinking about it I have never really told a whole lot of stories about the reason being because she has just always been a very hard-working diligent young woman who really worked to get her grades where they needed to be worked to get through college and has kept her head down and has taken care of herself In a very efficient way, she didn't really generate a lot of like parental nightmare stories or things that just kind of rose above the Mendoza line the way my rambunctious boys did. And I've got four sons and another daughter who was a little bit more outspoken, kind of an activist. And they just sort of, uh, I don't know, their behavior, their choice of friends, their choice of activities, much like my own, led to more storytelling. Alicia is her name. She turned... 40 this week, and it's hard for me to imagine this little urchin, this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed urchin, just looks like a little waif, like she would just be a naive soul, a babe in the woods, but never has been. Has always been remarkably self-sufficient. She got her degree. First of all, graduated from Notre Dame High School here in Chattanooga with the christian lifestyle award the only person awarded that in her graduating class got a part-time scholarship because she was in the marching band as well to ut graduated with an education degree from mtsu with honors decided that teaching in the american school system was not what she wanted to spend her life doing joined the peace corps went to guatemala and honduras for quite some time then ended up joining the State Department where she was stationed in Cuba for a while and has been in D.C. working for the State Department ever since. But she turned 40 this week, and I called her, of course, and wished her a happy birthday and hoped things were going okay. And the second thing, and this is where it ties into Shasha, as I call her, um, was in my Rockyology podcast, which we just recorded yesterday, I used a song from The monkeys. Not normally a go-to for me in that particular podcast and the style that we try to sort of, uh, I guess, exhibit, uh, usually playing deeper rock cuts and stuff that most people have never heard or maybe heard once a long time ago and forgot. But I just kind of want to remind people that the monkeys, the Prefab 4, actually did produce some good music. At least the band that, that did the music for the TV show did. And there's a story that combines the two, and I'm going to tell you real quick, and it's not going to take me long, but it was an interesting one. About the only time that my parental alarms went off dealing with Alicia, Shasha, was one night... I guess it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. And this is an old-fashioned phone that actually has a cord and is attached to the wall. And it makes an obnoxious sound, and you can't turn it off uh, like you do your cell phone or turn it down. It just if somebody called at 3 o'clock in the morning, it rang. And it would usually make your heart stop because that meant bad news, right? So I stumble in the dark and reach over and get it. And Alicia had been out with a friend, and they had gone to Atlanta to see a concert. They'd gone to see, of all bands, the Monkees. Now, the current popular bands at that time were her favorite, New Kids on the Block, MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, stuff like this. But she went with a friend to see the Monkees. Why? Because the friend's mom used to be a super fan of that band. I have a feeling she was probably actually a groupie, but that's neither here nor there. But she still knew the members and so therefore got VIP treatment. So she's gonna take her own daughter, ask Celestia if she wants to come along, and she goes, sure, I like the monkeys music. So she goes to the concert. I did not expect to see her again that night. I knew that she would either they would stay in Atlanta or that she would stay at her friend's place, so I wasn't expecting a three o'clock in the morning phone call. And then the weird thing happened and actually, i'm going to say that i got my timing juxtaposed on this it was the night before she went to the show i just wasn't worried when i hadn't heard from her because i knew things were okay she took care of herself but it's alicia on the other end of the phone and i can tell she's calling from a phone booth because you could hear the ambient noise of traffic and wind so she was clearly outside speaking into a telephone device on her end and she had this panicked sound in her voice, and she goes, Jeffy, yes, that's what she called me, Jeffy. Jeffy, I think I'm in New York. I went, what? She goes, I think I'm in New York. And I was like, what in the hell are you talking about? What, what makes you think you're in New York? And she goes, well, from where I'm standing, I can see the Statue of Liberty. I went, well, that's a sure sign. Yeah, and it turned out she was in New Jersey. But how in the world did you get up there? Why are you in New York? Why are you looking at the Statue of Liberty? I got kidnapped by the monkeys. What? I got kidnapped by the monkeys. True story. I haven't lied to you yet. No reason to start now. They go to the show. Have a good time. Old groupie mom gets them backstage where they get to meet the members of the band and they're hanging around and hanging around, and they get invited to get on the official tour bus, the Monkeys tour bus. Monkeys on the side, their picture's all painted on the side, right? And they go on the tour bus, and they're hanging out. Everything's okay. I'm like, immediately, my alarms are going off. I said, you got on a tour bus with a touring rock band. I don't care if it's the Monkeys. I don't care if it's the Osmonds that's a dangerous thing to do that's dangerous territory for an attractive young woman and she was at the time i'd say 17 years old and had bloomed and it was 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 quite attractive and i just was going oh my god this is going to be a nightmare but no 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 as as it turned out everybody was a gentleman with one exception there was one stagehand One of the guys on the crew, there was a little handsy, and Davy Jones himself actually came out from his little private area in the bus and gave this guy, read him the riot act and said, you keep your hands off her, this young girl, by God, blah, 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 blah. So good for Davy, Good Good for good for for standing up for my woman and the, the flower of southern womanhood. But here's what happens. They're sitting there and talking and talking, and suddenly the bus starts, and it gets put in gear. And it starts rolling, and she starts going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute!" She's hollering at the driver, "Where are you going?" He goes, "We're heading to New York, ma'am." She goes, "No, no, no! My car's right out here. I've got to get out." He goes, "Ma'am, we got to go. We're on a schedule. I'm sorry. I mean, we're heading to New York." And she just is pitching a conniption fit. Literally, they get on the interstate. There's an exit or an entrance ramp right there next to the Omni in Atlanta, which was where they went to see them. The venue no longer exists. It was in the middle of downtown Atlanta. and all of a sudden they're on the interstate. they're on i-75 and she goes, "There's my car. There's my car right there. That's where I need to stop. Stop and let me out. And he didn't do it. And she started beating on Davy's door. Davy, 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 you gotta help me, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. Is he bothering you again? No, well, leave me alone. She ends up taking the ride with the monkeys all the way to New Jersey, where they're staying, getting ready to place some big venue the next day. And literally, the driver was under orders and under a timetable to take off, and he wasn't going to lose his job because some little airheaded girl from Chattanooga, Tennessee, happened to get on the bus in Atlanta and didn't understand what was going on. So she's standing there in New Jersey, looking across the bay at the Statue of Liberty, talking to a very confused dad. Mom's beginning to get very upset and wondering what the hell's going on, and we had to finagle away. We had to tell her to seek shelter, someplace where she would be safe, and find a Western Union office somewhere nearby. Luckily... In the Northeast, that's not hard to do. Virtually every convenience store, every bodego, every whatever you call their various little carnicerias and shops up Bodega. there. Bodegas. whatever. And, you know, every every hot dog stand has a Western <laughs> Union in it. Hot dogs? And <laughs> so, I mean, literally at the ass crack of dawn, we are up and we're at a Western Union office and we're wiring her money. I mean, what's going to essentially come out into her hand is cash money and she was able to get into a taxicab to another bus station. This was not a popular mass transit bus. This was a tour bus, had to get to a bus station, ended up actually taking a train from New York to D.C., her current place of residence, and getting a bus from D.C. back to Chattanooga we got her the ride back to pick up her car. The whole thing took about three days. She had to wear the clothes that she was wearing when she went to the concert the whole time. She had to have her you know, head on a swivel and eyes over the back of her shoulder the entire time. She's completely freaked out. And I said, I you know, picture her as a babe in the woods, which she was at this point in life, at this time in her life. Later on, by the time she gets into the Peace Corps, she's down in Central America teaching at a school in Guatemala out in the middle of the jungle, 85% unemployment. They have strikes every day. Students are leaving classes every day, marching in demonstrations. Never worried about her. Never was concerned. I was just knew she had the capacity to take care of herself. But that was a long three days. So I guess a cautionary tale, folks. Even the most innocent of adventures can go south on you. The monkeys. Uh, who was worried about their daughter dating a monkey? Peter Tork, Davy Jones, Michael Nesmith, who you know, it's it's nobody. Mickey. What was Mickey's last name? Does anybody even remember? No, Mickey the drummer. Um you know what was it? Dolans. Dolans, Mickey Dolans, Mickey Dolans. You know, these are these were all American guys, right? They can still go south on you. So sit down with your kids and make sure you tell them the sad but true tale of how my daughter was kidnapped by America's most popular soft pop band, loved by mothers everywhere, but still kidnapped and held against her will and taken over multiple state lines we decided not to press charges obviously she came away with everybody's autograph so she was pretty proud of it and that's the story i'm telling you today about my daughter on today's storyville it's a long way to go to get an autograph <laughs> i was going to say it was it was not it was not the intended plan but sometimes the plan you intend is not the one you end with Oh, well. It's It's a good story, though. Not exactly a pithy cliche saying there. It's not going to become a bumper sticker. It's it's a good story. How many people do you know whose daughter got kidnapped by the monkeys? One. Only in Jeff Styles, America. Thank you very much. Only in Jeff Styles, America. And a second quick story today. Um, Two weeks ago, I told the story about my best friend's murder. And it was a cathartic thing for me to to tell the story from front to back it was the 24th anniversary of his death and i'm not going to go back into the details of it because it's there for you to listen to and boy a lot of people did and i cannot tell you how much wonderful supportive positive response i got from that kind of emotional outpouring that i you know was you know got off my chest that day. Like I said it had been two decades at least since I had actually told that story from front to back with all the complicating measures. You can go back and check it out fredpodcast.com and I think it's literally just called my best friend's murder, the storyville if you want to listen to it. But it was about my friend Ronald and the funniest thing about the response I got was You know, a lot of, well, what a horrible situation, what a terrible story. It must have been heartbreaking for you, I feel for you. You know, hardly anybody said, yeah, that happened to me because it just didn't happen to anybody. Most people don't get their best friends murdered. Most people don't meticulously plan a revenge killing, which we did, never carried it out. But, you know, it's just kind of a rarity, right? But the thing that stuck out and the thing that most people had to say to me was, You made me think about the song I want played at my funeral. I literally had people texting me links to songs, and they were saying, just so you'll know if nobody else does, this is the song I want played at my funeral. And the reason they were saying that is because I wrapped up the story talking as much as anything about what a horrific send-off it was for my friend. And all of us, all of my friends were mortified at the very traditional Southern Baptist-type funeral he was given, the tombstone. In particular, the song they played at the funeral home, the mortuary, whatever, during the service did not reflect on his life or his personality at all. It was cold. It was just... A, a paint by numbers sort of scenario for this guy who was larger than life and it just seemed like a terrible way to say goodbye to such a wonderful soul. The world was a lesser place at his parting, and we just basically let ourselves get run roughshod over. It's the family's call, but they made just one of the worst, most boring funerals you've ever attended, you know, possible, just by not listening to their son or the son's friends and cohorts and peers. And so suddenly it became an issue and it kind of became a, a topic of discussion in my circles of friends and people that I communicate with on a regular basis. And suddenly I've got a list of songs that people want played. I actually, well, I laid mine out. If you really want to know, I want Miles Davis played at the very beginning. I want Grateful Dead's Ripple played in the middle. And as a processional on the way out, there's a song by Yes uh, called Onward, which is, I think, perfectly applicable and a beautiful song. One sing-along hymn, but it's from the Unitarian hymnal, so you've never heard of it before. And it doesn't require much in the way of voice because Unitarians can't sing for Diddley diddly squad. But anyway, I got all these songs from people, and they said, this is what I want played at my funeral. And I just—it was an interesting thing—and I'm actually going to bring it up at some point as a topic on the air at my on my talk radio show that I do with with Jason the Argonaut and Russell the Love Muscle. We're actually invading his space right now, so he's in here too. And I'm going to throw it out there as a topic on a day when we got nothing going on. I don't mean for it to be morbid. Have you ever actually given any thought to it? Have you given any thought to the way you would like the people left behind? how you would like for them to act, what you would want them to do, what music you would like played. Do you want doves released? Do you do you even want to be cremated or buried? I mean, most people go out without really thinking about this, especially if they die at a younger age. So it would probably be smart to let people around you know. And it occurred to me that I told this whole story, heartfelt story about Ronald and his, you know, very unfortunate, violent passing and losing him. But I didn't really say much about him. Let me tell you one quick story that I told my wife. And of course, I've been married to Rebecca for 11 years now. We've been together for 20. And I'd never told her this story about Ronald before. Let me tell you one quick story about Ronald before I let go um of that memory completely and while the uh the show is still the podcast is still fresh in my memory and you know we play that little drop in the middle of these storyvilles only in jeff styles america and that has been a phrase that has been around me for almost 30 years now because as i tell stories just honest stories about my recollections my childhood my young adulthood things that have happened to me and my friends adventures we've been on misadventures we've suffered through you know it kind of just turned into this thing dude only you only you only in jeff styles america did stuff like this happen <coughs> but here's proof positive that it's not just me ronald was a very interesting guy too and he had lots of quirks to his personality one of which was that he was bad to just disappear sometimes. We would be out uh, at a concert. We would be out on a camping trip. We would be in some sort of social situation with a big crowd of people, and he literally would just pull a disappearing act. And, And we didn't know where he went. We didn't know what the situation was, but he was bad to do it. In my opinion, he just basically got fed up with the scenario and left. You know, I said that about the funeral. If Ronald had been at his friend's funeral and they were making such a mockery of it, he would have gotten up and walked out. That's the kind of guy he was. And there was a huge event here in Chattanooga, Tennessee for years called the Great Tennessee River Raft Race. It was a big, massive outdoor concert, and people took homemade rafts. It was designed after what the Guinness Book of World Records called the largest outdoor party in the world for several years, the great Chattahoochee River Raft Race in Atlanta. And so people took homemade rafts and flotation devices, and they started at the Chickamauga Dam, and they would float down to Ross's Landing, the riverfront here in Chattanooga, and then there would be a big concert and we'd been out there all day with a huge group of people. This was before I had children, and I was with my first wife before she had become my wife. She was my girlfriend, my living girlfriend at the time. We had a nice little duplex up on Missionary Ridge here in town, looking out over the city, had three levels, and we probably had 15 people from out of town staying with us that had come to the raft race and the concert. During the middle of the event, during the middle of the night, we realized Ronald was missing. And he had a girl that none of us really knew named Lenore. Do you remember me saying Ronald was a huge fan of Edgar Allan Poe? I think the only reason he dated this girl is because her name was Lenore. Just my hypothesis. But we didn't really know her very well, but she goes, I don't know where Ronald is. And then it's time to go. I mean, the concert's over. They're beginning to pick up trash. Everybody's going home. Everybody's wasted. There is no mass transit system to depend on, so you know we all basically said, "All right, here's what we're gonna do: you get in this car, in this car, in this car. Who's the most sober? It's a straight beeline shot to my apartment. Y'all stay right on my ass. Everybody got home safely, all right? So we're piled up in the floor, turn the AC up. Everybody's sunburned, sweaty, tired, still drunk, beginning to be hungover. Still don't know anything about Ronald. Where's Ronald? I kept saying, "Don't worry about him. He's fine." He does this. He'll show up when he wants to show up. He's a grown man. He can take care of himself. Four o'clock in the morning, he shows up in a taxi cab, and he bangs on the door and demands that Lenore get up from the sleeping bag where she's laying and leave immediately, and he's pissed. He is pissed. I literally thought he was going to want to fight me right then and there, and I didn't even know what happened They took off in the middle of the night, and it was a week later when I finally heard the tale of what transpired, and it was this. So it's not just Jeff Styles' America, it's also Ronald Robinson's America that things like this can happen. He did get bored with the group he was with. He wandered away from the venue, the actual concert site, and got up on one of the bridges that crossed the Tennessee River, the Market Street Bridge. And he walked out on it just to get a view, a view of the events down below, and somebody honked at him. Apparently, he had not moved quickly enough across the grid-like structure of this drawbridge, and they honked at him, and he instinctively did the southern guy thing, flipped a bird. Honk, bird flip, turned his back to him, started looking down at what he was wanting to look at, all the people milling around down there, and then realized that there were screeching brakes behind him. Dude was coming to a stop with traffic in both directions now freaking out and beginning to swerve because this guy has stopped his vehicle in the middle of the bridge. And Ronald's going, oh, hell, what what's what's going on now? And the guy comes out and gets in his trunk and pulls out a rifle, a rifle, not a handgun, out of his trunk and starts advancing toward Ronald, who's sitting there on the side of the bridge, who goes, wah! And he takes off running, and he's going, "Ah, this guy's got a rifle, he can peg me. At that point, a guy comes by who's slowing down to look and see what's happening, and he's in a big truck, and he's hauling a boat on a trailer, and he slows down just enough As he's passing Ronald, and his eyes are real big because he sees the guy with the rifle chasing him, and Ronald jumps up and grabs a hold of the side of his boat and goes, go, 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 and the guy guns it. And he takes off. And the guy with the rifle jumps back in his car and takes off after him. So now here's Ronald hanging onto the side of a boat, weaving back and forth on the boat trailer. This guy's going, what the hell is going on? He's going, go, go, guy's got a gun. And they look at the guy's right behind him, and he's got his rifle out the window. Leaning out the window of the driver's side with his rifle in his left hand, never fired, you might well imagine that this would attract attention. And it did. They got about two blocks away from the bridge and blew, blew, blew fire everywhere. Police cars showed up from every angle. And just like it was when you were in school, somebody gets in a fight, everybody goes to the principal's office. Slowly but surely, the principal gets to the bottom of it. Who started it? Whose fault is it? Somebody gets to go back to class. Somebody gets in trouble and gets sent home. Everybody got arrested. Ronald got arrested. Guy with a rifle got arrested. Poor dude with the boat trailer got arrested. All three of them go to jail, and some night court judge just weeded through the whole mess, separated the wheat from the chaff, took guy with the rifle... Kept him in custody, cited Ronald for disturbing the peace, let the poor dude with the truck and the boat go, even though he was probably would have blown about a 2 3, according to Ronald. <laughs> and Ronald was now at the jail and had no way to get in touch with us. We had just one phone, nobody had cell phones. He had no way to get in touch with anybody. He's sitting at the jail. He doesn't know the town. He doesn't have my number memorized. He didn't write it down anywhere. So finally, he basically talked a taxi cab driver into giving him a ride with the promise. And think about this. This wouldn't happen nowadays. With the promise that he would pay him when he got to the destination and figured out where I lived just by triangulating on the few things that you could see in the skyline, the Chattanooga choo-choo and stuff, and arrived at my apartment at 4 o'clock in the morning, pissed off at the world, but especially at us because we'd not come looking for him. In his mind, we should have had a dragnet out there. And I was going, dude, we're all wasted. You just disappeared. We're not going to go driving around town looking for your ass. Are you crazy? But it was a week later before that all came out. So... I am not the only person that has strange things happen to him. Everybody does from time to time. But I've also said I know lots of interesting people and have known lots of interesting people that have interesting things happen to them. That's one of the reasons that Ronald was my best friend. He was one of those folks. I seem to have them gravitate to me. But uh, that's the one I had known Rebecca all this time and had never told that story but gives you a little insight into the kind of guy he was and the unusual life he led and the way it ended unusual as well. So it's up to you. If you want to be normal, be normal. I'd say go for it. Be abnormal. Live as crazy a life as you can and hope for the best. It can go south, but sometimes it can just produce a pretty good story. Fred Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. Southern Segway, Chattanooga's first consumer Segway dealer. Find them at Southern Segway on Facebook and Instagram. Dr. Brett Moldenhauer, Institute for Acupuncture and Wellness, and North Spring Cryotherapy and Rejuvenation Center. Find them at northspring.com. For more, go to fredpodcast.com.